Lagos Talks 91.3 and Corporate Shepherds presents the man of the hour. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome, my dear friends, to Navigate with I.D. Enang. Such an honor and privilege to be here today to share and also to learn from you. All thanks to God Almighty for the gift of life. Without it, we would naturally not even be able to do a lot of things. So I'm grateful for the gift of life. And I believe that you are too. Friends, the months are really rolling out and we're getting closer and inching closer to the end of the year. What a magnificent set of months that 2021 has presented to us. Well, going forward, one of the things I love to do is to switch gears from items that would naturally enhance our personal development, like we had understanding interpersonal styles last week. And I would like to switch into business management topics that would help and support our SMEs and those that are actually in business. Kid you not, we are in a very tough, tough terrain. And I sit and doff my heart for every man, every woman that is an employer, even if you're just an employer of one individual. It takes a lot. The environment, the capacity, all the challenges that entrepreneurs are facing, businesses are facing, there is the minimum skill that is required. And that minimum skill, some of us may not take for granted, or some of us could also take for granted. I mean, everybody jumps into the art and science of business today. Why? Multiple streams of income. But in all of these, do we have the necessary gravitas and also the ingredients that would help us have successful businesses? This is what is leading me to start a series on business management and to open that kennel itself, I'll be looking at the fundamentals of management. Before we delve deeply into it, I'd like to recognize that this may not necessarily augur or this may not necessarily be a subject that everybody will be interested in. But trust me, even if you are not a business owner, if you work for a business where these fundamentals of management are not in place and you've been wondering why performance and productivity have consistently dwindled or been at the low is simply because you've evaded fundamentals and if the foundation be destroyed there is nothing the righteous can do so do work with me as we step into that terrain and would look from the lens of management so what are the functions of management the functions of management, you may call it business management, you may call it management on its own, are in four big buckets. These four big buckets are planning, organizing, leading, and controlling. So we are going to start with planning. And let me start by defining planning. There are three dimensions in which I would look at the subject planning. Planning is the management function that involves defining goals. So if you own a business or aspire to own a business, or you are serving in a business where the goals are not defined, then you haven't started. Planning is also establishing strategies for achieving those goals and developing plans to integrate and coordinate activities. Very many times, one-man businesses, one-man business owners have all the strategies in their heads, or some others are very reactionary. That is not planning. Having it in your head as Mr. CEO or business owner is not on. The second definition of planning is a blueprint that specifies the resource allocation the schedules, and other actions necessary for attaining goals, a blueprint. You may not see planning in that way because you don't do it, but you need to start. 
we are about to roll into a new year. And for those of you that have your accounting year being January, December, you would notice that in this year and the years past or prior, you may have mismanaged your resources and it's because you didn't plan. And so please understand that planning is a blueprint and you need to use that tool to specify how your resources will be allocated. And number three, planning is a process by which companies, businesses like your own, reconcile resources with their objectives and their opportunities. Let me share a personal experience. I have had the privilege of working for several great multinational companies. But one of such companies that was extremely in-depth in planning was the Coca-Cola company. Four months into the new year, you will hear everybody, Butler company, talking about ABP. They start planning for the next year. We are barely done six months into the year and already looking at the plans for the following year. And this goes on for months, friends. But in all of this, there's a full integration. It becomes a blueprint of how, what, when, and who. So the nature and characteristics of planning can be put in three major buckets. Number one, I want you to understand that planning is a major task of management as it precedes all managerial functions and discipline. It is the most basic of all management functions. And this does not necessarily mean that you have to go through this. This does not necessarily mean that because you have a small business, you don't need to plan. That planning is for the big, big companies and big, big businesses. No, that will be an error. It is the number one task of management. And if you are management, and if your colleagues, senior colleagues are part of management, planning is the number one task you have. Number two, planning is an integrated selective process. This is where you make and carefully analyze all the various alternative courses of action. This is where you have what I call scenario planning. So for example, concerning the year 2022, if you have started planning for your business in 2022, just like the federal government is in the process of going through the budget um, planning cycle. As you know, the president has delivered him to the National Assembly and they will revert before the month, I beg your pardon, before the year ends. In like manner, in there, there are several assumptions that have been put in there. For example, there is a level price at which the uh, crude oil will be sold as the benchmark price. And that benchmark price is an estimate. And to that extent, it drives a certain part of the revenues that will be accrued to the country. And so you, as a business owner, you need to sit back and say, if the foreign exchange remains at where it is, what would be the revenue accrued to you or expense if you're dealing with exports? However, if you are a local and you know that you tend to import goods a lot more, then you need to have alternate courses of actions and analysis that would look at the foreign exchange input from 10, 15, and even 20%. So you can go as far as saying, what if the dollar to the Naira, the exchange rate goes as work as 750? What will be my course of action? And then you then understand what you need to do. You understand how you are going to approach pricing. You understand how you're going to approach your services. You understand how many people you will need in your employment to be able to make that happen. The third nature and characteristic of planning is that it is concerned with decision-making. Planning allows you make the right calls. For example, what is it to be done? How is it to be done? When is it to be done? By whom is it to be done? where and why.
That is why I did say to you that fundamentally, planning is one major piece in management. And so today, if you are working in a business where there isn't any planning, you guys are probably moving around with the tide the way it comes, then your productivity is suboptimized. It depends also on how exposed not just the management team would be, but the owner of the business. But if you work with someone who understands how to craft management and what the fundamentals of management can do, each of those pillars need to be knitted in a specific space. But let me also say that there are different levels of planning. And I want to give you the three major levels of planning. There is what we call the strategic planning. And this is where you have very senior management. That is where they sit at that level. And they look at where are we headed five years from now. We need to have a top line revenue of X percent that would yield Y percent, um, that would yield a value of Y millions. At that level, the strategic planning that happens is very top line and they will be considering just macro and micro analysis and the trend to say for us to build a sustainable business we must be operating at this level of value that level of value means that revenue must not drop below a certain amount of money that means also that if they want to keep the staff, if they want to expand the business, they must be at that sustainable peak. Otherwise, the business would not necessarily flourish. So that is a strategic planning level, and it's always done by senior management, which is why if you are not in that cater, if you're not part of the ownership of the company or the business, you would not be involved. There's a second level of planning, which is the tactical planning typically done by middle management, and that is a click lower. At that stage, these are the executors of cascading whatever the big picture is into other bits, and they will determine how resource allocation will be made and where it would go. Then there is a third level of planning, which is the operational planning. This is where you have the lower management. This is where you have individuals working day and night to make sure that those plans that have been cascaded from the tactical planning module will come to a place of fruition. But it then takes everything out of everyone. It's time, it's resource management, and it yields productivity. One may just wonder what exactly are essentials of a good plan. You can take this as a mini MBA course in Business Management 101. It is essential just to equip a lot of SMEs because I realized that a lot of young business enterprises are just doing what they feel they should be doing without understanding that there is a method to the madness. When you see big companies thrive, they don't thrive because they are big. They thrive because they are institutionalized in certain fundamentals. And part of those fundamentals are what we are looking at today within the context of management. So what are the essentials of a good plan? According to if Owick, he says that the essential of a good plan would necessarily taper around number one. It must be simple. That I can tell you for free. If your plan is convoluted and all over the place, you will not have people understand and execute appropriately. A good plan must be comprehensive, end-to-end. -end. It cannot be half-baked, neither can it be quarter-baked or just surface-baked. It is comprehensive. A good plan should provide proper analysis and classification of action. You heard me say it has to bring in those parameters of what, where, how, when, and who. 
the most important factor, who, the who factor. You can plan as well and as great as your plan may be. If the who factor is not in consideration, that plan will fall flat on its feet. A good plan must be flexible. Flexible here meaning that you must consider the tide. Look at an ocean. If you go to the beach, is it what you see all the time? Sometimes you have the tide come up very strongly. It just tells you that the torrents is higher. Sometimes it's so mild and cool. What it tells you is you can't afford to go to swim just because you like going into the water. Flexibility comes when you watch the tide and you are able to plan according to the environment and the scenarios that may arise. And finally, a good plan must be balanced. You know, you'll be wondering, so why is planning just so much? People talk about planning, planning in your personal life. You must plan. How much more with a business? How won't you plan? How won't you sit down and knock some things in the place or in, in place? And the reason is because good planning has benefits. What are these benefits that will accrue to you and to your business if you plan well? Number one, it reduces uncertainty. Because you have thought about it, it's easier for you to execute a plan. Who would have imagined that the exchange rate dollar to Naira would be in the 500s? Everybody would naturally have been sitting comfortably in the 400 level, and all of a sudden, we now start streaming towards mid-500s and even inching towards 600. Now, for those that did not plan or did not envisage, they would be in troubled waters. For majority of businesses, that would have happened. But now that you know that this exchange rate may be a bit turbulent, I hope you learned a lesson, especially if your business has to do with one major import or the other. In our own business, where we are affiliated to partners, international partners abroad, and where we have to make royalty payments all the time, the rates have not changed in five, six years. But you know what changes? is the cost and the value of the Naira to be able to fulfill our obligation to our partners abroad. So it tells you that if we were marked to pay $1,000 six years ago for a particular service that our partners abroad offer to us as licensees, then that at one point in time, that was just 250,000 Naira. Today, the same 1,000 is twice the amount, over half a million. How do you explain that in business balance? It means that you have to do more to be able to pay. So it reduces uncertainty when your mind is ahead of the curve. That's the benefit of good planning. A second benefit of good planning is that it ensures economical operations. You know what to do and what not to do. I tell you for a fact that it becomes even a lot tougher because you have to make certain choices. It becomes even easier to say to, that a work-from-home policy may be better off than having people come to the office. Why? You cannot afford to increase salaries like you always did but you can afford to let people save on that part of transport and work from home. It also means that, yes, there's a cost element from data management or having to work virtually. There's some cost, but it cannot in any way get close to what they'll pay on a daily basis or monthly basis for their transport to and from the office. As they get into the office, they're going to consume power. As they get into the office, they're going to eat and so on and so forth. But when people have that virtual space, they can also, to some extent, with some measure of discipline, inch in towards productivity that will be more optimized. And at the end, the operations become more economical. A third benefit of good planning is that it facilitates control. 
a fourth benefit is that it improves motivations and finally good planning gives competitive edge to the enterprise friends if you are running a business now no matter how small look through and ensure that you plan now you can ask me what exactly is a planning process or a planning cycle and i'm going to give you six steps that you would consider and put down remember i said this is going to look like you are in some mba class this is management 101 and for those who have graduated who don't need management 101 take this as a refresher course but i tell you that there are a larger chunk of people who have not gone through management 101 this is for them the planning process or the planning cycle has six steps step one you need to identify performance gaps. What exactly are you not doing well? What has hindered or perforated your performance? And so many times people use several types of processes. So they can tell you, have you done a SWOT analysis? What is SWOT? Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. In larger-sized businesses, they want to use the PESEL analysis. You wonder what PESEL is? It's a simple P-E-S-T-L-E. -E. What you use when you are working the process of making good pounded yam. The P there is a political factor. You have environmental factors, social factors, technological factors, legal factors, all sitting in one swoop and sometimes that in itself tells you could these factors impact on business but that is a bit too much on this side because between environmental and economic factors they could actually you know cause your performance to either dwindle or be enhanced and several other factors politics and economy go together but step one is really identifying your performance gaps. Why did you not hit this target? Okay, maybe you did not even have any target. Maybe you didn't even plan. Why did you get the numbers that you got? Why did you sell those number of units? That's actually identifying what the elements and the gaps were. The second step is then to define your smart goals, to define your goals. So now that you know, having come through identifying your gaps, what didn't allow you make progress in the last year, in this year, inching up to 2022, you now define the goals and they need to be smart, as we always say. You need to be very specific. I want to sell 250 units of my products in 10 different channels that will be hosted in three different regions of the country. That is specific. But in that same throw, you must also have something that is measurable. So when you put in the M, which is in must be measurable, the A means you must A, make sure you can achieve it, make sure it's realistic, and make sure it's within a time frame. So you are saying that I want to measure in by quarter two in 2022, I should have sold 50% of my units, which means either 100 or 125 units should have been sold across the different channels or the different regions. Step three is now establishing strategies for achieving those goals. You will now go and look for key line strategies on how you will achieve those goals. And step four is developing plans to integrate and coordinate the activities. It sounds very simple and mundane, but this can be a big, big, big challenge. And step five, of course, is for you to go execute. You need to have implementation plans. This is where the rubber hits the road. This is where your suppliers and the ecosystem, your service providers, and yourself and your consumers, customers, 
and whoever need to come to the party as you begin to implement these plans. And finally, the step six is to monitor, evaluate, and revise the plan. Many times over, we do not monitor, we do not evaluate, and we do not revise our plans. That is one of the points at which we fail. But I hope that as we go with this learning, that you have seen something you need to do differently. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll be looking at organizing. And once we step into organizing, that will take a different feel. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Thank you. This is Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome back, my dear friends, to Navigate with ID and Ang. It's uh, quite some class, you would say. And uh, to those that are just joining, I bid you welcome. We're looking at a new series as we tackle business management topics. And what a way to start than to look at the fundamentals of management. We started by looking at planning. And the first half of the program started on that note. And we are now inching into a second major pillar of management, which is organizing. Before I go into this, I would like to you know, paint a picture so that you will understand that planning, organizing, leading and controlling the four pillars of management and functions, um, adept functions of management, all are intertwined and interwoven in some ways. And so let me start by looking at a separate dimension of organizing when I take you into the military parlance. You know that um, if you are an avid movie watcher and you love war movies like I do, you'd find out that when you watch movies that have to do with uh, war-related movies, you'd find that planning is a big piece of the entire operation. And so before any squadron battalion will set out, before a commanding officer will step out, even within the typical movies that we watch that have to do with the police force trying to tackle certain crimes in their polity, they all come into one room and their briefings held based on planning. And if you watch the movie, the taking out of Osama bin Laden, you'd love to see this space happen. That's planning. But after planning comes organizing. And you know this is where Esprit de corps really dwells. In business, it's pretty much the same. It's pretty much the same. When you have done all the planning, you need to bring the troops together. And bringing the troops together starts with a simple act of you, the commanding officer, or you as the manager, or you as the owner sitting with your team, just like a commanding officer would sit in the war front and his soldiers and all the officers are surrounding him to deploy them into different areas. But all of this is coming because they are done what we call recognizance or recon in the planning stage. The planning stage was all about recon what we will do. But now, when you get into the point of troops, the troops deployment, it then comes with a different dimension. This is where organizing makes sense of the plan. At the point of organizing, you want to answer the questions, what do you want to achieve? Who is involved? And this is where you decide on roles and responsibilities. As management, if you do not have a sense of organizing your people, either in whatever form or metric structure you like, people will totally not work efficiently and optimally. That's why I started by looking at the military. I wish I could run a course on it 
and be able to show you just pictorially how wars are not just executed, but they come through a process. And people know that if they have to act in their jurisdictions, it will be part of the plan. Things happen sometimes that what you plan and what you thought may not be what will happen in the field. And at that point in time, it now behoves on the individual to exercise his skill, ability, competence, to think about the larger team and the larger assignment and his role as an individual contributor to minimize any form of damage or hurt to the business. And this is a place that brings the fundamentals of organizing to play. Organizing involves the assignment of the tasks, the grouping of the tasks into departments and the assignment of the authority and allocation of the resources across the business or across the company or across the organization. So if your planning is top-notch, your organizing must take the same level drawn from the planning in order to group the task into who would do it, how would they go about it, and then assign authority to it. You cannot, for the life of me, be a managing director and you are signing up petty cash of 5,000 Naira. That is disaster. That just tells you that you have no job and you have nothing called an organization. All you are doing is just sitting there on top of the roof and frustrating your own business, thinking that you are controlling it. We are going to come to control later, but I'm just letting you know that part of segmenting and having departments assigning authority there is a certain amount of money that this level of management can approve. There is a certain amount of money that this level of management can take from the coffers. There's a check and balance. And at the end of the day, it's called a standard code of control. Every control that comes is embedded in the authority. Who has the authority to sign? But there is a very key ingredient in organizing, and it's called prioritizing. Prioritizing can actually make Omar a business. If you do not know how to prioritize resources or what you need, you will not be efficient because efficiency and effectiveness are not the same. Someone who works hard and is well organized but spends all their time on Unimportant tasks may be efficient, but not effective. To be effective, you need to decide what tasks are urgent and important and to focus on these. This is called prioritizing. So in the process of organizing, you must also prioritize the tasks because if people do not know that this is a priority for us as a business, they will be doing the things that are very, very inconsequential. And at the end, you wonder why you're making losses. It's all because between the urgency and the importance metrics, they don't understand what is urgent, what is important, or what is a nice to do. And the, the, what you need to do is to ensure that as a strategy, that you don't just schedule it you must let people know if they are going to work within the ambits of just doing it or not doing it, or they need to delegate it. That particular task, you'll be asking yourself, how important is this very necessary task? Friends, in organizing, the kind of responsibilities you would look at is very key. For example, if you have salesmen or sales managers that help you sell your goods, you are a manufacturer of a fast-moving consumer good or foods, and you need people that will be hawking. Hawking, although hawking is not allowed, I think hawking was banned years ago in Lagos. But let's just take, for example, that you have food soldiers. As the sales manager... 
you must expect him or her to manage people, to manage customer needs, and at the same time manage your business. But if you, as the overall business owner, does not manage the people well, they will not manage their customers well. And at the end, they will not manage the business well. You see, it's almost like a cycle of sorts. So even if you are the head on to, you must ensure that you manage people. It's a key responsibility in organizing. You must ensure that you have something that enables managing your customer needs very well. Because ultimately, that is where the whole rubber hits the road. If you do not manage people, then there will be challenges down the road. How do you manage people? Number one, you need to set targets. You need to have performance plans. And you need to have some measure of rigor in terms of the objectives and standards. Number two, you need to coach individuals in your team. It can be one-on-one -on -one through phone. It can be virtually, but it can also be on the job. Coaching is a major tool to help manage people. But many business owners or people that are in business don't see managing people as key. They hire them and say, that's why I hired him. That's why I wanted someone that has a degree. So what? That you wanted someone that has a degree does not mean that this individual's degree is meant to manage the business. It is your responsibility to manage them, manage the customer needs, and align their priorities. And it all comes as a total package. You must also counsel, support, and discipline. If need be, fire underperforming staff. Yes. And this is after you've gone through a performance management process. I must know readily that my target is to sell 50 units a week. If I do not sell 50 units a week or 200 units in a month, I have sold under par. And if I sell an average of 10 every week and make 40 a month, at some point, there must be a conversation. But that conversation would help if you, as the manager or business owner, sets a space for counseling, for support, and before you discipline. You need to understand what the leading and lagging factors could be. This is how you manage people. So many business owners don't manage their people. And if you don't manage them, there is no way the business can be healthy. Managing people is a major element in organizing. In fact, it is the element because people bring the results. So what does it mean to manage the customer's needs? Very many business owners have no idea and do not have a good understanding of customer needs and monitor their preferences. You don't know where your customers are in their heads and why they like the products and what they need as services. Customer service, what does it mean? Managing your customer needs means that you also need to resolve escalated customer issues and customer complaints regarding sales and service. You know, when I used to work at Samsung, one of the things that I always said to my colleagues in the team, and at that time we had the sales and the service team, I would sit with the head of department then and have a conversation with him, Ray. I said, Ray, you know something? If we are going to make this business tick, our service team must be tip top. And did we have some great guys, you know, that were walking around the clock to ensure that all the service centers were well-equipped, were well-trained? It was because we needed to manage the customer's needs. Escalating customer issues can dwindle a business. But you also need to provide expertise. And how do you provide expertise? Is to provide some learning and teaching your staff how to negotiate. Because many times, customers want the best. And what they just want is a place to haggle. But if you don't have well-trained staff in 
advanced negotiation expertise, they will be the one to wreck you. So managing customer needs also means train your staff to understand the art and science of negotiation. And sometimes, if you are a big business, you must learn to connect headquarters and the field. If you don't, there will be trouble. I'm talking now because for those businesses that are bigger than the small ones or medium ones, and you are spread across different parts of the country, you must have a headquarters. Your headquarters must connect with the people in the field. If you don't, there's a disconnect and there's a recipe for disaster waiting. So all in all, in organizing, you have to set yourself into the third space of managing the business. You as a business owner, apart from developing sales strategies to acquire new customers or clients, apart from tracking sales teams, your sales team, your people, apart from analyzing the data on sales or whatever parameters you're using, you must learn to also collaborate with your entire team to develop leads. That is when you manage the business. After seeing all the data they bring in day in, day out, somebody must sit back and say, why are we getting more here and less here? What are we doing right here? And what are we doing wrong here? What do we need to do differently? This is managing the business. This is where organizing sits within the space of management. This is where you prepare budgets and approve expenditures. And all of it must come from a deeper understanding of what the drivers of the business, business are. You need at this stage to monitor your competition. You need to monitor economic indicators. You need to also see what the industry trends are looking like. Without that, then you are not managing the business. Friends, managing people, managing customer needs, managing the business, those three ultimately sit as core responsibilities within the organizing function that makes a business manager or a business tick. Now I'm going to switch into some very key enablers and that has to do with questioning. You see, when you manage people, when you manage customer needs and you want to manage the business, you must understand how Two, question. Questioning is a skill and there are questioning techniques. If you do not know how to apply questioning, you cannot manage people well. You cannot manage customer needs well. Neither can you manage the business well. What are some of those questioning techniques? There's what we call open questions. Open questions. What are open questions? Open questions evoke longer answers. You must find a way to ingrain, ingrain questioning in your business. Open questions usually begin with what, why, how. Let your staff, let your people know how to ask open questions. For example, why did he react that way? Why did that customer react that way? That's a fact-finding question. It's an open question that you will use to elicit some very open, frank conversations or that you want more detail. That's when you use the open questioning approach. And what it does, it makes you learn about the other person's feelings or the issues that are happening. As you have open questions, you also have closed questions. Closed questions generally evoke a single word of very short factual answers. Very close questions are like an example. Are you hungry? That's a closed question. And it, all it does is just wants you either yes or no. Are you hungry? Yes, no. It also helps you to test the person's understanding of what you're saying. And it also helps you to conclude a discussion or to make a decision. So all of these help in the course of organizing. Questioning help 
if you don't have a skill in questioning, it will be tough to execute. And when it's tough to execute, it will be very tough to get the results that you want. There are also what we call funnel questions. Funnel questions involve starting with general questions and then zooming in on a point in each answer. Then you then move on to ask more and more details at every level. Funnel questions are used mostly during interviews. So if you're hiring people, you would use a funnel questioning approach a lot more because you want to find a lot more about this individual that is sitting in front of you. So for example, you can say, how many people were involved in the fight? You say about seven. The next question could be, were they kids or adults? Mostly adults. What would be their age bracket? A funnel question seeks to find out more detail about a specific point. That is something you can imbibe, you can utilize. A fourth questioning technique is a probing question. The probing technique. The probing question is asked to find out more detail, just like the funnel question. However, in this case, you use questions that include the word exactly to probe further. So, for example, who exactly wanted this report? Who exactly handled this situation? Who exactly in your team is responsible for customer management? What the probing question does is to provide clarity. And it draws information out of people who are unwilling to give information. And an effective way of probing is to use the five wise method, which can help you to quickly get to the root of a problem. What is a five wise question? Just ask why. That's going, you're taking level upon level until you exhaust the whys. If you exhaust the whys, there's nothing more underneath. But as long as there's an answer or a why, it means that you've not gotten to the bottom of the problem. It's almost very close to what people call the fishbone analysis. You know, when you look at a fishbone analysis, that's what you utilize to go to the root cause. It's called the root cause analysis when you want to identify a problem. A probing questioning approach is one that gets to the very root of the matter. And it's very easy when you are in the process of organizing. Remember, we're talking about managing people, managing customer needs, and also managing the business. Without questioning techniques or the skill, you will not be able to manage your business well. What other types of questions do we have? We have what we call leading questions. Leading questions are asked to try to lead the respondent to your way of thinking. You know, this happens a lot in the court of law. If you watch some proceedings, when the lawyers are engaging anyone in the stand, the prosecutor can stand up and say, my lord, that's a leading question. It could be objection, my lord. It's a leading question. Why? Because a leading question is asked to try to lead the respondent to your way of thinking. It is important to note that leading questions tend to be closed in a way. You trap yourself. So as a management staff, if you don't know how to utilize leading questions, you may not necessarily close easily with your team. What an example of a leading question. You may be talking about several options or strategies. And as a manager, you say, option two is better, isn't it? That's a leading question. Everybody takes a hint to say, Oga prefers option two. And you'll find everybody saying yes. That's a deliberate way of you seeding what you want because it's a leading question. How do you use this and when do you use it? It is when you want to get the answer you want, but letting the other person believe that they had a choice in the matter. When in real sense, you know that you are subtly bullying them to align with your position. All of this 
as part of management, friends. This is part of what some of your bosses do for you in the office. And so when you want to run your own business, don't walk away and just say, no, I want to be Mr. Nice. It comes with what and all. Business management is not a walk in the park. It is not just being Father Christmas. It means having a balanced judgment and a balanced dimension of what to do. Friends, I will close by talking about a rhetorical question because those ones aren't questions at all. They don't expect an answer. Many of you do not know when to engage and when to disengage. A rhetorical question is just to engage the listener. An example could be, isn't that a great display? They're not asking you to respond. It's a rhetorical question. Dear friends, we've come to the end of this session in our Management 101 journey. We'll be back on Thursday as we start off on a different tangent. Remember, we're looking at organizing a major pillar and how we can listen to build influence. This is beginning the journey with the leading pillar within the ambits of business fundamentals or business management fundamentals. I hope it made sense. If you have questions, please send an email to contact at navigatewithid.com. You can also chat me up on any of my social media platforms. The handle is at IDYENANG. And I want to use this opportunity to raise a flag to my guys at Baptist Academy, the 7681 set. It's 40 years that we've been out of school and we are all back this week. Will be our Founders Day anniversary celebration. We kicked off yesterday, guys. It was a great novelty match. And we look forward to the gala and all other things that we are planning, you know, to give a befitting brotherhood to, um, uh, and not just to ourselves, but to the school. Friends, 40 years of leaving school, I ain't a joke. Over 100 guys have flown in from different parts of the world all to be together. It just tells you that one thing is sure, that we never at one point saw anything about tribe, religion. We didn't even know who was Muslim. We didn't even know who was Christian. We just had a band of young men who came to school to learn and today have become brothers. Look forward to seeing you guys tomorrow and the rest of the week. God bless you and your families. And to you distinguished listeners, I say goodbye till we salute again on Thursday by the grace of God. Keep learning. God bless you. And that was Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds.